listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. I think that's a good question to ask ourselves. Why do we do? What do we do? And we're going to be talking about vision today. Vision is so powerful. And I'm not going to jump ahead because I've got some great things that we're going to preach. But I want to preach about vision today. But can I say this? It's not about just the vision of this church. Because a lot of people may think, well, that's Heartsease Family Life Church. The last time I checked, God's word said church wasn't a building and a steeple and a roof. The Bible says you are the church. Come on, we are the church of God. So when we're talking about the vision of our church, Heartsease Family Life Church, we're talking about the vision for your life too. How it involves you and how you play a part in seeing the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose take place. Come on, lift your hands up in the air. In fact, stand to your feet. Come on, stand to your feet. Everyone in the house. We're going to make sure everyone's awake today. Come on, just lift your hands in the air and say with me, Dear Heavenly Father, I receive everything today that you're going to speak into my life. The words that I hear, the challenge I'm going to receive is going to change me. I'm going to be a person of vision. I'm going to be a person of great destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. High five two people before you sit down. Come on, there you go. Fantastic, fantastic. So why do we do... What we do. For those of you who are really cool and really hip, the title of this message is WWDWWD. Why we do what we do. And I will say this, I intentionally, or at first I had the intention of trying to do all this in one week. And the more I've looked at it, I've thought, I'm crazy. So we're going to expand it till next week. And we may even expand it till the week after. We'll just see how it goes. But that's how important we believe vision is in this church that you need to be a part of. So as we start this message this morning, can I warn you of this? We're going to cover a lot of material today. There's going to be a whole lot today that you're not going to be able to digest it all in one go. So guess what? That's why you need to take notes in church. I I want to challenge every one of you to get a great notepad, a journal that you can start taking notes. If you would watch in church when I'm not preaching, I'm always taking notes. Why? Because there's things that are said that are too much to get in one sitting and I'll go back and read it again and bam, it just hits me in new ways. There's so much. So for those of you who are taking notes, Come on, get those journals out for you who are the last minute people. Thank God there's an offering envelope in front of you that you can open up and you can take some notes on that for your last minute peeps. But I can't encourage you enough again to take notes in church. You know in school they instruct you to take notes. And the reason they instruct you to take notes in school is so you'll pass the test. Maybe that's a great thought we need to have in church too. So how many knows we face some tests? Come on, we face some tests. 
Come on, I said we're going to face some tests. Maybe we need some notes that's going to help us overcome those tests and make it to the other side. So today we're going to deal with WWD, WWD, looking at the five whys. Why do we do what we do? And we're going to start today and see how far we go. But I believe it's so vitally important to understand and know why we do what we do. When we come to church and we give to God and we sing and we do everything that we do in church, we love each other, we just are compassionate, we're given, just all these things, there's a reason that we do those things. It's not just a religious act and we've got to watch that we don't become religious in what we do. And religion oftentimes can be just doing the same thing over and over again with it losing its significance. Losing, you just kind of do it and you almost don't even realize that you're doing it. And it just becomes a ritualistic thing. Comes almost out of duty if we don't watch. But Christianity isn't about religion. Christianity is about relationship. It's all about relationship. And relationship speaks of something that's alive, something that's fresh, something that's new. Why do I praise and worship God? It's not just because we do that every Sunday. I come in with a new heart just to give to God every week. I don't say, man, I did this last week. Because it's something new this week. I come in with a new heart, a new praise. It's not a ritualistic thing that I just lift my hands up at the same time in the same song or I do this. I make it alive and fresh and real. Why? Because I'm in relationship with God. That's what happens when you're in relationship every day. Something's new. Come on, if you're married, you discover new stuff if you're a guy about your wife every day. You think, man, I think I almost know her and then the next day comes. Do I hear an Amen. And all the women are here goes, we figured our husbands out a long time ago. But there's new stuff every day. Church should be something new to you every time you come. It's about relationship. Say that with me, relationship. It's not ritualistic. And that's why we're talking today about the vision of our church and what we're trying to accomplish as a church. Because in order to see that fulfilled, we must know what we're trying to do. I don't have this scripture and I apologize, but listen to this scripture. It comes from Habakkuk 2, verse 2 and 3. And it says this, write the vision and make it plain. Here's the word of the Lord to Habakkuk telling him, you need to write the vision and make it plain. For what reason? That those who read it may run with it. He's talking about messengers here, being a watchman, that there's instructions that have been written for what? That they need to take those instructions wherever they go. Come on, you're part of the vision of this church. You need to know what we're all about, what we're trying to accomplish. So when you're in your workplace, when you're at school, at college, at home, at the grocery store for all the ladies at the mall, you know exactly what our function, what our purpose is. Is So write it plain that he that may read it may run for the vision is yet for an appointed time. Doesn't mean what that means is we don't see everything right now. We don't have it all right now. But guess what? It says at the end it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. The vision that we have for this church is greater than what we see around us today. 
But it doesn't mean that it's still not there. We haven't fulfilled the, the entire vision of our church yet. But I love how the New Living Translation says, it says, sometimes slowly, but steadily and surely it will be fulfilled. You and I slowly, steadily, but surely can see the vision of God fulfilled. And here's the vision of our church in a nutshell. Are you ready? Here it is. The vision of our church in a nutshell is this. Heartsease Family Life Church, where life starts. Why does life start? Because of salvation. Come on, we're not preaching a feel-good message here. We're not trying to make everyone feel comfortable in the house. Listen, if you've got sin in your life today, I pray that you feel so miserable and so upset and you feel so bad about it that by the time you leave here, you do something about it. Come on, we don't want you to feel good. If there's sin in your life, we want you to feel bad. Come on. Why? Because you need Jesus. You need salvation. Life doesn't start till you find Jesus. Come on, there is no life outside of Jesus. So our vision is this, we're all about life. Why? Because of salvation, the experience. John 10.10, the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. But God said, I have come that you may have, and not just life, a mere existence, but a life of abundance. That's what we're about. That God can take a life that's broken, a marriage, a home, a career, that's ended, that's broken, that's shattered, and God can turn it around and bring new life. And something that's alive will grow. That we grow in that. So it's where life starts. That's where our church. And love happens. That we love people. Why? Because that's what we do. We need to love one another. We need to reach out for people. I pray that when you came into this environment, and those of you who are continuing to come, I pray every week you, are, you feel love. When you come in, if you don't feel love, we're not fulfilling our vision because we're all about love. We're all about sharing abroad the love of God, that God did something to us. And as a result of the change of life and the life that we have, there's a love that now emanates, that now comes out from every one of us. And the last part of our vision is this, where purpose is revealed. We believe from God's word, we see it, that every person on the face of this earth has a God-given purpose. That you've got a purpose. You've got a reason. You've got direction, in other words, for your life. Your life's not out of control. It will be until you find Jesus. But when you find Jesus and life starts, love begins to happen. And as a result of that, you'll begin to find your purpose, the will of God, what He has for every one of your lives. And that's the vision of our church. Come on, say with me, life, love, and purpose. Vision is so important because it unites people of differing backgrounds, differing ages, race, education, and guess what? It brings us all together with a common purpose. Vision brings people together. Vision brings people back to the place where when we become one, anything and everything is possible. Do you know that God even said that? God said that when they're one, look what it says in Genesis 11 verse 6. God came down. They were trying to build a tower up to heaven. They were trying to be as God. Now they weren't doing it with the right motive. They were doing it with the wrong motive. But notice what God says, what he sees when people come together with one vision and they come back together unified to see life, love and purpose happen. Look what God says happens. Genesis 11 verse 6. Indeed, the people 
are one. They have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. That's the power of vision. That God himself speaks and says, there is nothing that they cannot accomplish when they come together as one. When they join together. That's the power of vision. Listen, the reality is this, we're all different. We've got different desires and, that, and the things that we perhaps want individually are different. But when we come together with purpose and realize that God can take all our differences and together we can see life, love and purpose fulfilled in this house, we'll begin to realize something. I'm a part of something that's bigger than me. And that's what the church is. That's why church is so powerful. It's something bigger than you. That's why I love church so much because, you know, I may only have $10 to give today and thank God for that. But you know what? The church isn't just going to receive my 10 today because there's other people around that are given their portion and together we see great things. Can you see the power of vision? Being together. Well, Pastor Philip, I'm not the most talented and I could never sing like Megan and play the drums like Trey and I could never play the guitar like Xenia and I could never do all that. I could never lead the kids. I could never stand up there and do an offering speech. I couldn't do that. But you know what? That's the power of church. We need you to fulfill your purpose. Come on, we don't need another drama. We've got one. Come on, we don't need this or that. We need you to live and function in your purpose. Never underestimate what you have. Because that's the power of vision, that we can come together. But anytime there's togetherness, if there is such a word, there is now. Togetherness. Is there such a word? Fantastic. Pete says there is. He's an English scholar. So if he says there is, there is right now. Togetherness. Whenever there's togetherness, when there is vision, Satan wants to do everything he can to cause division. He wants to divide. He wants to make people fight against each other. He wants in our homes us to fight against our spouses and with our children. There to be strife, there to be envy, there to be disunity. He wants to do all those things. Why? Because he wants to disrupt our oneness. Because just like God spoke, Satan knows that when we are one, we can push our thoughts, our feelings, everything aside and realize here's what we're trying to do together. When we realize that, so Satan wants to come in. There's a lot of division in church today. And you know what really causes division today? We can say, well, it's the devil. Yes, it is. But who does he use? He uses the same people that God desires to use. But you know what really causes division is this. People who go after their own cause. People who want their own agenda. They just want to do whatever. They don't want to come under the authority of the house. They don't want to come under the vision. They just want to do what they're going to do, and they're going to do it how they want to do it. And people with their own cause or their own agenda, instead of the vision, the common cause of the house, the people who want to do it their own way, guess what? They are going to cause division in the house because they are trying to fulfill their own goals. Can I tell you something about this church and the church of God? Vision is all about Him. The reason we have vision for life, love and purpose in this house is that he'll be glorified. I shared this with someone this week and I'll give it to you in a nutshell. If your life is not glorifying God, you're not living for God. 
So any blessing and everything, if you want to know if it's a blessing, if it's a gift, if it's something from God, I'll tell you how you know, will God be glorified through it? Because if God's glorified through it, guess what? It's of God. If it's not of God, then it's of self. And listen, there is too much me-ism in the church of God. Too much in our marriages, in our homes, in our families. Well, what about me? What about me? What about me? Come on, we've got to get rid of me-ism because vision is not about you, it's about God. Do I hear an amen? It's about His will being unfolded. No, it involves you, it needs you, but you've got to understand this. This church is not about you. Well, I don't like this and I don't like that. Well, guess what? It's not about you, it's about God. And we've got to realize that because vision, we've got to grab a hold of the whole picture. Too many selfish, self-centered people in the church. And all they're going to cause is division because it's about me and my needs and what I want. Jesus said he would leave 99 saved people to go after the one. Think about that for a moment. 99 safe people, Jesus says, I'll leave and go after the one. Come on, we would look and say, well, hold on a second. You may offend one of those 99. Jesus said, as long as they're safe, guess what? There's still one that's lost. That's what I'm going. You know what the vision of this church is? The one. Come on, it's the one. Yes, you're going to be blessed. Yes, you're going to be encouraged. Yes, you're going to be strengthened. Yes, you're going to be uplifted. But you know the vision of this church is always, are you the one today? It's not just to satisfy you and to make you feel good. You will, but the church is not about you. It's about the ones that are still lost, that we need to reach out and touch God. I was thinking about this. You know, I I love to play soccer. And for those of you who are really cool, you'll understand when I say football. Um, Football, America's the only country, I think, in the world that calls it soccer. But it's football. But there's something about football or soccer, and that is this. You play on a field, or as we call it in England, it's a pitch. You play on a football pitch, P-I-T-C-H, football pitch pitch. And what you do is on the field, there's two goals. Now, what you've got to understand is this, your team only has to shoot in one of the goals. It would be disaster if all of a sudden someone on your team says, I don't like that goal, I'm going to shoot in the other goal. What would happen is you would start losing goals and your team would go crazy. And you've got to understand, that's what vision is. There is going to be many goals all around of different things and different people, but together as a team, which one are we going for? We've got to go for one, and as we go for one, we win as one. But notice also on the field, we're attacking one goal, but what have we also got to do? We've got to defend our goal. And that's what you've got to understand, and that's something about vision that we need to understand too, is yes, we're attacking a goal and we're going after it, but we also need to know how to defend our vision, to defend our goal, to watch out and realize that Satan wants to come. To defend means we've got to stand against division. Come on, if there's someone in the church that's kind of murmuring and complaining, come on, we've got to defend our goal. Come on, we've got to defend our goal. You know what? You need to talk to Pastor Philip or you just need to get an attitude adjustment. You need to do something. We need to defend our vision. The worst thing we can do is start agreeing with those people because then what do we do is we don't defend our goal and the opposition begins to score on us. And guess what happens when the opposition scores more than what we're scoring? Guess what? We begin to lose. 
And if we lose, guess what? You lose. Because we go down as a team. And that's why we've got to understand the power of vision. We've got to stand against division. Stand against. People will always talk, but you don't always have to listen. You don't have to listen to people. I'm telling you right now, people with no vision will always attack those with vision. People with no vision will always attack those who have vision. There's this great story in the Bible, and we haven't got time to go into it today. And I know what you're thinking, Pastor P, I thought we are talking about why we do what we're going to get there. We're talking about vision today. We're getting there. Hold on. But Nehemiah realized that his homeland, the city of Jerusalem, was torn down. The people, the Bible says, were in reproach. The enemy was just coming willy-nilly and attacking them, taking everything from them. I mean, just coming in. Anytime they had something of value, the enemy just came in. There was no barrier. There was no wall. There was no defense to stop the enemy. And as you can tell, the anguish that was coming from Jerusalem reached to Nehemiah. And his heart was grieved and he was broken. And long story short, he goes to make a difference. And if you were to read that story of Nehemiah, you would see three key points. And that is this. The people came together as one and built as one. Everyone did their part. Everyone fulfilled. There was a goldsmith that was beside a blacksmith, who was beside a teacher, who was beside a politician, who was beside a a stay-at-home mother. The Bible says that everyone, no matter their profession and what they did, they came together with one common goal, and that was to rebuild the wall. And together they had sections and they built side by side. So the first thing we see is this. They came together as one to build. The enemy started to come in, and the second thing we'll see is they began to defend as one. The Bible says they had a sword in one hand, and they had a hammer in the other. They had a sword in one hand, and they had a trowel in the other. Had a sword in one hand, and they had a pickaxe in the other, a shovel, whatever it may be. One hand, a weapon of war. One hand, a weapon or a tool to build. So they came together to build as one. They defended As one, and here, listen to this the third key point they accomplished as one. The walls were built, the city was taken care of. And we can look at that and say, well, that's cool, but you got to understand if you were to read that, there was so much opposition that came up against them. Even from within the camp, the enemy put people inside of the camp that tries to cause division, tries to cause disunity. And they had to fight through all those things because there were so many opportunities for them to be divided. But listen to me, if we're going to fulfill the vision of God, we've got to build as one, we've got to defend as one, and we're going to accomplish as one. We've got to stand together. People who divide, those who cause division, as we said earlier, they have their own agenda. You've got to stay away from those type of people. The Bible says we've got to mark those kind of people. Watch those kind of people. Be alert to those kind of people and say, hey, listen, we love you, but guess what? If you're going to cause division, you know what? You need to either come under what we're going to do or you need to leave. I realize right now our church is not going to be everyone's flavor. I think we've got a great church, but everyone's not going to agree with that. That's okay. Guess what? If you can't be part of the vision, if God hasn't called you, go and find a church where you can be a part of. 
Because if you're going to murmur and grumble and complain, you're causing division, and we're going to stop that. Come on, we're going to stop that. Because we're protecting our vision. Come on, we've got to score a goal, but we've also got to defend our vision. Come on, how many goal scorers do we have in the house? Come on, how many people are ready to score some goals? But how many people are ready to defend also? Come on. Some people want the glory. The glory score on the goals. Everyone wants the glory. It's not much glory being in defense, but the defenders are just as important as the attackers. Come on, how many people want to be some defenders of the vision too? And realize that we've got a job to be done. And that's why we've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. And that's why we're going to talk today about how do we fulfill our vision? How do we fulfill the life, love, and purpose? How do we make that possible? And we're going to give you five truths over the next couple of weeks. The five whys. Why we do what we do. And the first one is this. Why church? Why church? There's a lot of people out there that can't understand what the big fuss is about church. They don't understand the importance of it. Well, if I go to church once a month, I'm doing a whole lot better than most people. Well, you know, I'm a part of that church. We believe in membership in this church. Here's how we believe in membership. Membership in this church is not signing a piece of paper and saying, I'm a member of Heartsease Family Life Church. We believe membership in this church is active involvement. Let me say that one more time. Active involvement. That means if you're a member, how do I become a member of this church? Come. And come and come and come and don't stop coming. That's active involvement, getting involved. But a lot of people look at church and they think it's kind of overrated and then they get super spiritual, some people, and say, but hold on a second, my body is the temple of God. I'm church. I don't have to come together with other people to have church. I can have church at home. You know the problem with having church at home? Who's going to correct you? Who's going to get on at you? Who's going to set you straight when you mess up? Well, the Holy Spirit would do that. Listen, yes, He will, but will you listen? Come on, let's just get real today. Is this okay? We've just been real today. If I had a couch and a recliner, I could just sit and talk. We're just just chatting backwards and forwards. We've just been real today with each other. I mean, who's going to correct you? Who's going to set you straight? You know the problem with having church at home? If you don't feel like getting up and having church, you just don't have church. Well, I'll do it tomorrow and I'll do it the next day. There's something about knowing every Sunday that you've got to be up at a certain time and you've got to be in the house of God. There's a commitment to that, but there's a dedication to that too. There's something about it, even when you don't feel about it. You know, when I was a kid, we were taught, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but you know, we were taught at church that if there was any problems, we ran to the house. The problem with so many people today is when there's problems, they run from the house. When they're sick, they go everywhere else. So I can't come to church because I'm sick. When we were kids, if we were sick, man, that meant we were on the front row in church because we had to be the first to be prayed for. My parents believed in doctors and all that kind of stuff. They weren't crazy and kept medication from us. They, they did, and the medication back when we were kids was disgusting. The big spoon stuff. Anyone remembers the big spoon stuff? Cod liver oil or whatever they called it. Castor oil. It would do everything. I mean, I'm having a headache. You need this. You know, I've got hemorrhoids. Take this. I mean, whatever. Did he say that in church? I'm just making sure you're awake in the house. Whatever it was, this is a one dose does all stuff. What about the aspirins and stuff? Now they're all sugar-coated and you can keep them in your mouth for five minutes and they're like Skittles or something. But back then, they would foam and you look like you had rabies. Anyone know what I'm talking about? 
disgusting. I couldn't swallow medication when I was a kid. I'd get all tense and my mouth would foam and it would be mum had to crush tablets and like hold my nose and pour water down my throat and all that kind of stuff. But we were taught to run to church. If there was a problem at home in the finances, you know where we went? We ran to church. Why church? Why church? We're going to talk about that. Point number one, why church? Why is church so important? Why do we do church? Number one, because church is a meeting place with God. Church is a meeting place with God. You know the first church, and you can argue, but I believe the first church in the Bible was called Bethel. Bethel. Wasn't the first Presbyterian or the first... Have you noticed that when you go to town? There's always the first. There's never a second Presbyterian or a second Baptist church. They all want to be the first. But I believe the first church was called Bethel. Jacob was running for his life. He had stolen the blessing from his brother Esau. His mother realized his life was at risk. She says, you need to go. Go and see Laban. Go and see your family. Get away from here. And on his journey, running for his life, away from his brother Esau, the Bible says that Jacob lay down and slept. And he put a rock under his head, and as he slept, he saw a dream. He had a vision, and he saw the stairway of heaven. He saw a staircase that went from earth to heaven with angels coming up and down. And he saw God at the top of the... And when he woke up that morning, he named that place that was formerly called Luz, he named that place Bethel. Because he says, I've had a meeting place with God. I've experienced God. I've had an encounter with God. Can I tell you, church is Bethel. Church needs to be a place where you have an encounter with God, where you can get away from all the distractions. You can turn your cell phone off. Listen, if anyone ever tries to call me during church, you're not going to get me. My cell phone's on my shelf in my office. It's great just to get away and to get away from all the distractions, all the hustle and the bustle. Maybe had a tough week at work. And you know what? You can have a choice. You can go home and you can dwell on that or you can leave that and you can come in and meet God, have an encounter with God and God can change you. He can strengthen you. He can give you courage. He can give you peace. There's been so many times where I haven't felt like coming to church. And you know the thought is this? As a pastor, I don't have a choice. Did you hear about the pastor that one day didn't want to go to church? And he said, God, I'm not going to church. He said, I'm just going to go out and play golf. This guy had played golf for 20 years. He wasn't even a good golfer, but he said, I'm not going to go to church. And he went out, and on the third hole of path three, he hit the ball, and it went in hole in one. He was absolutely going crazy. He goes, yes, God, that's absolutely awesome. And God reminded him, and he said, and who are you going to tell? Who are you going to tell? Poor guy had to keep that quiet. He should have been in church. He was playing golf. God says, I'll get you. For years he'd prayed, give me a hole in one. And he got one that day and he's so excited. And then God says, okay, now who are you going to tell? But what I'm saying is we've got to be in the house of God. 
It's a place where God can meet with us. That's the purpose of church. A place where we can have an encounter with God. We're going to preach a message in a couple of three, four weeks, whenever we're going to do it. We're going to call it Paniah, a face-to-face with God. When Jacob later wrestled with God and went face-to-face with God. And we're going to discover from that message, when you come face-to-face with God, if you're not changed, you're not saved. You're not saved. Church won't save you, but it brings you to that place where you can make that decision. So why church? Because it's church is not a social club. Church is not a place that's cool to hang out. It is, but it's not the purpose of it. Church is not also a dating convention. It's a lot of single people. I'm going to go to church. You will find the person, and the best place to find someone to be married is in church. And the best place to find them is not on the back rows of church. No disrespects to you, but if you're looking for someone to marry, look to the front. Look to the ones who are really praising God and really worship. Not that you don't from the back, but there's a lot more distractions from the back than what there are from the front. Come on, church. Why? Point number one, it's a place to meet with God. And one second with God can change your whole life. Point number two, why church? Because it's a place of safety and refuge for me and my family. What's the big fuss? I'll tell you what the big fuss is. That there's an enemy out there that's trying to destroy our children, trying to destroy our lives, our homes. But there's something about God's church that we must understand. One day Jesus is having a discussion with his disciples. And Jesus asked his disciples a simple question, but he said, who do people say that I am? They had so many different answers for what everyone else said, but then Jesus said, that's cool, I like that. But Jesus said, let's take it up one notch. Who do you say I am? All of a sudden, 11 of the disciples who had walked with Jesus for years, seen all the miracles, been in the boat with him when he said, peace be still. They were the ones that handed out the bread and the fish and saw over 5,000 people fed. They had seen the miracles. They were part of the funeral procession that turned into a family reunion as God went over and Jesus touched that man, that casket, and he came back. They had seen all this, but all of a sudden when God said, or Jesus said, who really am I? Eleven of them didn't really have an answer. But there was one that day, thank God, Peter, who had an answer and he said, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You are Christ Jesus. Peter was the only one that day that had true revelation of who Jesus was. And the revelation of what Peter had received from God Jesus turned around and said, Peter, I'm going to do something with that. Look what he says in Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus said, and I also say unto you, Peter, that you are Peter, and on this rock, Petra, rock, on this foundation, what foundation? The revelation that you have of who I am. The revelation of the fact that I am the Christ. God says, on that revelation, I'm going to build something. And you know what he said I'll build? He said, I'm going to build my church. Why church? Listen to me today. He says, I'm going to build my church. And notice what he says. And the gates of hell or Hades will not prevail against it. 
Against what? The church of God. Why church? Because church is a place that I can plant my family in, that I can bring my family, that I can bring my finances, my home, my future, my life, everything. And there's a promise that God says, hell will not prevail against my church. A place of safety for our families. Listen to me, parents. And we're going to be teaching a message on this in the next two, three, four, five, whenever weeks. Don't let the world name your kids. Be ready for that one, parents. We're coming at you. Don't let the world name your kids. But you know what, parents? Your responsibility is whether your kids want to be here or not, they don't have a choice. They need to be in the house of God. But I believe there's a way that you can get them in the house that they're going to love the house. And you know how they're going to love the house? For the love that you have for the house. When they see you excited about coming to church, you're going to create something inside of them. You know why kids don't like church? Because their parents don't like church. Show them the example. I want my family to be in a safe place. Anyone got that with me? I want my family to be in a safe place. And the Bible tells me that there is only one safe place. And that is his church, where the gates of hell will not prevail. He said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. In his presence, in his house, there is pleasures and treasures and joys forevermore. It's a place that Satan cannot prevail. Come on, Satan will attack us and he'll do everything to stop us from coming. Have you ever realized the weather's always the worst on a Sunday or a Wednesday night? It it rains nearly every Wednesday. Laughing with Hope, probably six months ago. Hope put on Facebook a radar of how bad the weather was. And the next, that night in church, there was like 20 people. I said to Hope, next time you want to post something like that on a Wednesday night, don't. And we laughed about it. It was bad weather a couple of three weeks ago. And she looked at me and she said, Philip, I didn't post the weather radar on Facebook. Notice what happens on a Sunday morning. You just don't feel like going to church. Other situations. Man, there's a crawfish boil. There's this that's happened and that which is happening. Come on, I said this so many times. Church to me is so important. It's a non-negotiable time. I don't have to think about what I'm doing every Sunday. I already know. Come on, do I hear an amen in the house? I don't have to think about, well, what plans do I have next Sunday? I already know my plans. If you want to do plans with me next Sunday, then it's going to have to be after 12 because I've already got plans for every Sunday up to that time. Do I hear an amen in the house? Why? Because it's a place of safety for my family. Shared this earlier. We were brought up in church. I mean, every time the doors were open, and church back then was a whole lot different to church now. I mean, we were in church Sunday morning and Sunday night. And Sunday night church started at 6.30, and we were lucky if we were finished by 10.30. Come on, I'm telling you the truth. Four hours of church, and people would still be going. We had praise and worship at the beginning. We had about five people speak, and then we had a preacher, and then we had praise and worship at the end. That's why we had to go to bed Sunday afternoon. We had school Monday morning, but we had to go to bed Sunday. I hated Sundays because of going to bed. Like church, but hated going to bed. But we had to go because we were going to church. But I thank God for it. We were taught to make church a priority in our lives. And I'm telling you right now, I can give you all their names. I can give you their email addresses and phone numbers. Britton Levery in the house, they can testify to this. On my father's side, my dad is one of six. He's got five brothers and sisters. It's one of six. Every one of my cousins on my dad's side are now in church with their families. 
And they're not just in church with their families. They are ministers in churches all over this country and world. Ben and Miriam in Seattle, they work. They're on the praise team there. I've got a cousin and her husband who are on staff for Hillsongs Australia. They're pastors in a church. My cousin Aaron is in that church in Australia with his wife. He's one of the worship leaders there. My cousin Mark is one of the associate pastors in the church. My sister and her husband, they're the children's leader. It goes on and on. My cousin Mary leads a group in the church. That Every one of my family today are still saved. They're still going to church and they're leaders in their church. I'm telling you right now, we've got to set the example for our families, for their future. Parents, bring your kids to church. It's that important. Prioritize it because it's a place of safety and refuge for your family. Point number three, why church? Because when I build his house, he promises that he'll build my house. Come on, why do I come to church? Because of God's promise to me that yes, it's a place of safety. Yes, it's a place where I can meet God. But as I build his house, come on, you should get excited about this. As I build his house, he begins to build my house. David one day, the man, the king, who was after the heart of God, said to the prophet Nathan, I want to build a house for God. The prophet Nathan said, do it. If that's in your heart, do it. But as Nathan was leaving the presence of the king, David, God spoke to him and said, you know what? David's not going to be the one that builds it. Long story short, God said there's going to be there's bloodshed that is on his hands and his life. So he's not going to be the one that builds it, but his son, Solomon, is going to build it. And the prophet Nathan turns around and he comes back to David and he says, David, here's the deal. God sees your desire, but God says it's not for you to build it. It's going to be your son. But God says to David these words. Listen to what he says in 2 Samuel 7 verse 11, the last part of that verse. And he says, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. He will make you a house. Verse 27 goes on to say that God says, I will build you a house. Because David had a desire. God said no, but David's desire was to build the house of God. His heart was to build the house of God. God says, because of that heart, I'll build you a house. I'll build you a house. And God remained true to that because thousands or hundreds of years later... When kings were still rebelling and doing wrong, the Bible says, for the sake of my servant David, God did not strip the kingdom away because when God says something, come on, he does something. He holds true to his word. You build his house, you prioritize his house, you put God's house first, guess what? He'll prioritize your house. You take care of the house of God, he'll take care of your backyard. He'll take care of you. You build his house He'll build yours. Why number two? And we're going to finish after this one. Why do we praise and worship God? Have you ever asked that? Why why do we do this? Why do we sing and get so excited in church? There's too much life in church. You know, I think there's not enough life yet. I believe we just scratched the surface. I want to be like David when his wife looked and said, didn't you make a fool of yourself today? David said, hold on, honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. He says, we're going to become even more undignified than this. Can I tell you, undignified does not mean out of control and fleshly and look at me. But out of control, we don't want that in this house. But undignified is, I'm just going to begin to thank and praise God for everything he's done. I don't care if I'm going to have sweat marks under my armpits because I'm going to sweat. Listen, we live in Louisiana. Sweating is a part of life. If you're a lady, excuse me, perspiring is a way of life. 
Well, what about if I cry, my makeup's going to run. I've said this before. If it runs, run after it. Come on. Don't be inhibited by other people's. Don't let no one steal your praise. It's people say, well, that's too much. I don't believe there's enough fuss about praise and worship. I believe we need to worship God more and more in our lives. Can I give you some scriptures to back up why we praise? What about this one? A good place to start. Psalms 100 verse 1 and 2. I'm getting excited when I'm talking about church and praising and worshiping God because I love it. Psalms 100 verse 1 says, make a joyful shout to the Lord. Why do we shout? Because God tells us. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Look what it says. Serve the Lord with sadness. Okay, gladness, watch out. Why are we happy in church? Because we're good. it's an honor to serve God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Learn to sing in the house. Notice the Bible says make a joyful noise. It doesn't say a harmonious. Listen, if you can't sing, we don't want you on the platform, but wherever you're at, sing. Okay, don't let anyone. Why do we praise Because we're making a noise, a joyful noise to God. Look what it says as we go on in Psalms 100 verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. Come on, it's scriptural to praise and worship God. It doesn't say come and sit down and don't clap and don't open your mouth and be quiet. That's a library. It's not a church. Not a church. What does it say in Psalms 47 verse 1? Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Come on, let me have some clapping in the house today. Come on, come on. Why do we clap our hands in church? Think about this. When you clap, why do you clap? You clap to applaud someone. If someone says something good, what do you do? You applaud it. Why are we clapping our hands? We're clapping because we're applauding a God that is good. And He's not just good some of the time. He's good all the time. We're giving glory. We're giving honor unto God. Clap your hands, all ye people. Notice what it goes on to say. And shout unto God. Come on, let's have a shout in the house. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We're not shouting with defeat, we're shouting with triumph. Why church? Why praise and worship? Because we're on the victory side. Are you ready for this next one? Some of you now, we're really going to get you. Ready? Psalms 134 verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Come on, just lift your hands in the sanctuary. Come on, it's scriptural. You know why we lift our hands? It's a universal sign of surrender. God, I'm surrendering. I need your help. Would you just come? And you know why else I say I like to lift my hands? Because I remember as a kid and I would fall and hurt myself. And the first thing I would do is lift up my hands and say, Mama, Mama, Mama. Or Dad, Dad, Dad. What are we doing? We're surrendering, but we're also saying, God, I need you. Would you come and help me? So why do we do these things? Because God's word tells us. God's word tells us. So let me give you three points why we praise God. Point number one, because it honors Him. We praise and worship to honor God. If you'd look in the dictionary, the definition of honor is to ascribe greatness. To give greatness to. To proclaim His greatness. Look what Psalms 8 verse 1 says. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Your name. In all the earth who has set your glory above the heavens. 
Come on, we give honour to his excellence. Why do we praise God? To give him honour, to ascribe greatness to him. Because he is worthy, he is excellent. We're the ones that are not excellent, but he is excellent. We're praising the excellent one. We're giving glory and honour to him. Do you know in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for God was Yahweh? Yahweh. And you know in the Old Testament times that the people would not even say the whole name of God. Because they felt the whole name of God was too holy for them to say. And they would say Yah, not Yahweh. They would praise Yah because they felt unworthy. Unworthy. Can I tell you today, because of the cross... None of us were worthy, but because of the cross, grace and mercy came. And that's why today, because of the cross, we can't only shout Yahweh to Him. That's why we can say, Jesus, I love you. That's why we can sing and praise the name of Jesus. We can worship Jesus right now. It's not G and it's not S. It's Jesus in the house. Come on, we can worship Jesus in the house because we can give honor to God. Point number two, why do we praise? Because it ushers in the presence of God. When the praises go up, His presence comes down. When the blessings go up, come on. Look what it says in Psalms 22 verse 3. But you are holy. You are enthroned in the praises of of Israel, or your people. You are enthroned in the praise. Literally, I want you to see this, and I've said this before, as we begin to praise, we piece together, we knit together a throne where God's presence can come down and sit. And you may say, well, God's presence is everywhere. Yes, it is. But you know, even where his presence is, there's sin that rules. Why? Because his presence has to be invited in. His presence is there, But understanding when his presence takes rule is a different situation. And when we praise God, yes, we understand his presence is there. But we say, God, we want your presence to rule in this place. And when he takes that seat and he sits on that throne of praise, anything and everything is possible and can happen. Because as we praise, listen to me, God enters. His presence will begin to take up residence in our life. And God doesn't merely want to visit with us. This is what you've got to understand. God doesn't want to visit just merely us. God wants to live inside of us. He wants to have a relationship with us, just like a married couple. He wants to partner with us that we will see growth in our life. So why do we praise God? Because we bring down His presence, but then we partner with God that we go out of here. You know what? There's many times I'm going and Kelly was laughing in the car. Just You know, we just I say, thank you, Jesus. I just praise God outside of the house too. Come on, does anyone praise God outside of the house? It's not here. Why? Because you're just joined with God and there's growth that comes when you begin to praise When I'm going through struggles and hardships, you know what? I want some praise and worship on. I want to just get on my face before God and just begin to cry out to God and feel His presence. Thank God for K-Love and all these things. But you know what? I want a worship CD in my car when I'm struggling and going through those trials. Because it brings His presence. I wished I had more time. But as we praise, we can also see His deliverance. If you would read verse 4 of Psalms 22, it says, Our fathers trusted in you, they trusted in you, and you delivered them. As we praise, guess what? As we place our trust in Him and we trust God, guess what? He can deliver us. 
us, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, what happened when God's presence showed up. Come on, they were facing a fire. They didn't just face a fire, they were thrown into it, banned. But when God's presence came up, you know what happened? Their bondages were broken. Come on, the miraculous supernatural took place as the fourth man appeared in the midst of the worst situation they could have ever dreamt of in their life. In the worst situation that Satan can throw against you. As you begin to praise God and you begin to worship, you begin to honor Him. You don't honor your feelings and self because you don't feel like praising God. But you begin to say, God, you're excellent. You're worthy. And you begin to usher in His presence. And when His presence shows up, your life will be changed. God will change your circumstances and situations. As we begin to praise Him, He delivers us. And you know why it's important to praise and worship? Because others are watching. Paul and Silas began to sing, and the Bible says prisoners were watching them. Can I tell you, as they began to sing, God got with it. As they began to sing, God said, I like this beat. And God began to tap his foot. And can I tell you, as God began to get with it, come on, God was getting with it. There was an earthquake that hit the earth. And all of a sudden, all their bondages and everything. It may have not happened like that, but I think it probably did. God did a little Holy Ghost twirl. And all of a sudden, there was an earthquake and the prison was broke open. Think whatever you like, just leave me. That's what I think. There was a praise that went as they began to worship God. Whatever happened, I'm telling you right now, they were free. God set them free. And you know what? There was another miracle that day. The doors of the prison were open and every prisoner was set free and not one of them ran. That's a miracle. Come on, that's a miracle. Everyone in prison is innocent. You open the door, they're all out of there. Last but not least, are you still with me? You've got two more minutes. Why we praise? Because praise is about giving to God. Well, you know what, Pastor P, I didn't get a lot out of praise today. I didn't like that praise song. I really didn't get a lot out of it. Well, guess what? It's not about you getting anything out of it. Praise is really one of the main parts of the service, apart from giving our tithes to God. It's the only time of the service, really, where God, it's for God. Let me put it that way. It's the only part of the service that's for God. Preaching's not for God. In fact, we've said this so many times. In most churches, when people are preaching, God's scratching his head and saying, did I really say that? <laughs> he don't get nothing out of the preaching. He wrote it. <laughs> Come on, he wrote it. He knows it all. But praise and worship is our time when we give to God. Say, God, I may not feel like it, but you deserve it. You're excellent. I'm going to usher in your presence, and I'm going to give to you. Come on, don't have the misconception that praise and worship is all about you because it's not for you. Let me tell you something. The Bible says in Luke 6 verse 38, as you give, it will be given back to you. And look how God gives back to you. God gives back good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. In other words, God will hook you up. Come on, say that to your neighbor. God's going to hook you up. Come on, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It's going to be put into your bosom. Okay, but notice the same measure you use is going to be used back to you. But listen to me today, listen to me today. As you praise God and you give to God, you're going to get something back. But the purpose of praise is not for you. The purpose of praise is for Him. We're going to be a part of a vision that joins us all together. We may not like everything, we may not agree with everything, but you know what, we're going after souls. This is going to be a place where life starts. Love happens. 
and purpose is revealed. Yes, we're going to attack the goal and we're going to score. But we're also going to defend our vision. Defend what God is going to do. And how do we fulfill that? We understand the importance of church. It's not just a fuss about nothing. It's important. We're going to understand why we praise and worship God. Because it's important. And next week we're going to look at why we love, why we give, and why we serve. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master.